Good, yeah. So the more you have, the more you should give. As God has blessed you, um, let's say that the particular Israelite who's coming, his land just was super abundant that year. Okay, well, now the contribution that he brings is going to be much, it should be much greater. Um, you remember the, the woman who brought the two copper coins and she puts them in. Jesus singles her out and says, look at how much she gave. Now, the guys who were dumping huge gold coins you know, <laughs> into the treasury, obviously way more than the two copper coins in terms of you know, dollar value or you know, uh, objective value, but, but in terms of what God had given to her, she gave more than any, any of the rest. Right? So, as God has blessed you, now you are required more, more than others to give. Um, so that's a key component of this. And God was very specific about what proportion he wanted in the Old Covenant. So let's just look at Malachi chapter 3. This is the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. We'll read verses 6 through 12. I, the Lord your God, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then this is God's response. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for, the Lord, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So what's God upset about? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's upset that they are not bringing the full tithe into the storehouse. And um, we'll get to that stat you just mentioned in a moment. Um, yeah, the word tithe doesn't quite come across that clearly in English anymore, but um, the word in Hebrew is derived from the word for ten. So it is very clearly a tenth of what they have received. Um, there's, no, there's no question about it. That, that This is talking about, you know, you get ten bushels of wheat, you give one bushel to the Lord. That's your requirement um, to give to, to God and to his people. And what's happening is they're not doing that. And he says, as a result, you're robbing me. You're not bringing the full tithe into the storehouse. And what does he say is a reason for why? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, it's an amazing 
motive statement that he's giving here, saying, put me to the test. And, and, and just to make sure we all got it, what, what is the test that he's asking them to put him to? Yeah, that he will provide above and beyond, right? He says, apparently right now there's the destroyer, or the devourer here, verse 11, um, which is very likely a reference to a particular kind of locust that's destroying their crops. Okay, it's destroying the fruit of your soil, right? Whatever this pest is, um, you're saying to yourself, well, if we give the tenth, what are we going to live on? And God says, well, put me to the test. Just give, give the tenth and then see what I will do, right? So they're under pressure financially. They're under pressure of like, are we going to make it till next year? Think about what it's like to be in an agrarian culture where there is no Kroger, right? <laughs> like, you're giving this tithe and you're like, I'm not seeing how God's going to provide for our family because based on what we're bringing in, I'm just not seeing how we're going to make it to next year this time. Right? And God says, just, just put me to the test. See what happens when you trust me with your, with your giving. Okay, so in the Old Covenant, they were required to give 10%, and God is promising you won't lack. You will not lack if you do this. Here's the question. When everything else in the New Covenant is an increase, would it really make sense for us to give less now in the New Covenant? Giving less in this present time, I submit, would be like saying the salvation to which we are responding is less awesome than the old Exodus. Like that the new Exodus isn't as amazing as the, new, uh, as the old. I hope I said that right. Um, the opposite is actually the case. And just think, if we now give less than a tithe, what we're basically saying is, we're, what this is doing, one person says this, it puts us in the position of giving away less of our income than those who had so much of a less, less of an understanding of God did in the Old Covenant. So, Old Covenant, shadowy salvation, looking forward to new and better salvation. We would expect that as the salvation is more awesome, that the response would be more awesome as well. Everything about going from old to new is small to big. Um, here's a shadow, here's the reality, right? So when we come to the New Testament, there isn't this sort of like whiz-bang, you know, here's the one statement right here that gives the exact proportion that God wants us to give. Wouldn't that be so nice if it was just like one little verse in Galatians or something like that, right? What is God doing? He says, well, I, I was very clear in the Old Covenant, and now here you are in the New. Um, I hope you get the basic principles that would make you realize that what I'm asking you now would be certainly nothing less than what I was asking before. And, you know, if we start asking questions like this, you know, how much must I give, or is this pre-tax or post-tax, is this net or gross, you know, stuff like that. Um, does this include, like, when someone gives us a gift, or, like, is it only stuff that we earn? I submit that you have missed the point, right? You, if, if, 
We're asking how much must I give, we're missing it because it should be how much can I give. What, what joy God's calling us into, as I already mentioned before, of um, blessing, being part of the blessing of the nations through our giving. Wouldn't we want that? Like, life, is it not measured not by what we get, but what we give? That when we talk about real joy, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What's the greatest joy? It's not getting what we enjoy, but it's actually giving joy to others, that good old love of God and love of neighbor. So we're commanded to give, and we're commanded to give generously in the new covenant. And yet, here we are in the American church, where the average giving is 2.5%, as uh, Paul just brought up. That's the stat I found on the internet as well. During the Great Depression, it was 3.3%. Like, that should, that should grieve us. That should, that should really make us pause and ask, like, to what extent are we really being, like, our minds being shaped by the materialism of the present age? Yeah. 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 A big, a big question in these kind of stats is um, what counts as Christian or like, what's the giving? Um, what's this incorporating? Or is this incorporating liberal churches or whatever? I, I'm not exactly sure um, on this stat. I should have done more research. Appreciate you asking that. Um, from, from what I've seen on other articles I was reading on this, um, if we just take sort of evangelical churches, broadly, you know, Bible-believing Christians. It's not, it's not much better than this. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, this should, this should force us to just evaluate our hearts. And, and I just want us to think, too, as we're thinking about the amount that we give and the proportion of what we give, um, that, you know, what could God do if we were, all of us together, to be tithing? If all of us were to be doing this, yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah, if all of us were to be doing this, um, some, some uh, research, Christian researchers have asked this question uh, from Relevant Magazine in 2016. They, they suggest, and there are a couple of different estimates here, that if all Christians tithed, there would be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. Another estimate says $400 billion. And the global impact would be phenomenal. Of that total, 25, and this is the lower total, of that $165 billion, $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas mission work, and the additional $100 to $110 billion would still be left over for additional ministry expansion. That's mind-boggling, isn't it? Like, wow. Now let's just talk about this, just right here, Covenant Presbyterian Church. What could we do if there was this kind of giving going on? Well, for one thing, we could have a second pastor. 
that would be pretty awesome. The amount of, I think we've already seen the blessing of that and the huge gift of uh, uh, doubling our ability to shepherd, doubling our ability um, to, to have um, pastoral ministry going on. We could, we could afford not just one, but two church planters. We could afford a youth discipleship pastor who would be specifically dedicated to investing in our youth and really giving that individual life-on-life ministry that so many of our young people need. Right across the street, there's this building. It's currently a medical center and an army recruiting center. It's been up for sale for a really long time, and it's way out of our price range. If we were to buy that place, we'd not only have a parking lot that would be ours, we would have a building that we could transform into something like a counseling center where we could offer, we could have on staff a minister of the gospel who's particularly equipped and gifted for um, doing counseling. He could offer six free counseling sessions to anybody who walks in wanting help with addiction, with marriage crisis, parenting issues, depression, you name it. And all the way, pointing them to Jesus Christ. And then you, th- you think people are going to come to faith through that? I-, I think people will come to faith through that. And then immediately when they come to faith, it says, you see that church right over there? Go to that church. That's where you're going to get discipled and keep growing in the faith. Um, you know, we could, we got, we got a number of young men in this church who are thinking hard about, is God calling me to go into the ministry? Love to, love to go to seminary, get trained. Would it not be awesome to be able to fund those guys so they could be 100% in the books, focused, dedicated, they don't have to think about paying tuition, about how am I going to feed my family, or am I going to even have time to be with my family because i got to be doing the studies while also caring for my family? No. They're just able to really get really good and prepped up for their work. Um, we could buy a house and refurbish it and make it a place where like, you know, somebody who's really in a, in a tough place, like a single mom or something like that, has a place to live and be able to um, care for her kids. I mean, the sky's the limit is basically what I'm saying. I, I have way more ideas <laughs> than we have anywhere near the funds to be able to do these things. So, I think all of these are really exciting things. Are all of these things of equal priority? No, I mean, this is where like, we're always like, we, are, we have our limitations and we're trying to do, be as faithful as we can. Um, and I'm sure many of you guys would have great ideas too that I haven't even mentioned here. What if we were to do this? What if we do that? Very often when people come to me with that sort of thing, it's like, that sounds awesome. No manpower. Um, so I just, I just want to encourage you. The, the way in which God could multiply the labors of this church is off the charts if we have the resources. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next. Yep, yep. Did I see a hand over here? Yeah, Lori. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. The question is, um, would it be appropriate for elders to come and talk to people and say, hey, we notice you're giving decreased, or we notice you're not giving right now. Um, like we're shepherding you in other areas of life, why not here in a very direct way? At, at least at this point, the way we've structured things is that only the um, treasurer knows who is giving. We don't have access. We, we, did, we just sort of declined to have access to that information. Um, I feel like that's important for me as a minister, just being able not to have that information in any way clouding how I treat anybody. Um, I think that's a question worth thinking about, whether you know, maybe the, the elders and not me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, do you have any... Thank you. Yeah, and part of why we're doing this class is just sort of a, a broad kind of scattershot of like, take this seriously, please. This is what, this is what makes, this is a key piece of what, what makes the church advance. This is a key piece of like basic Christian discipleship. You know, some people would say, well, I'm offering God my, uh, my time and my energy, um, and time is money, right? Um, okay, but remember, every area of our life we're offering to the Lord. And of course we want to offer him our time and our energy. That's beautiful and wonderful. Please keep doing that. But we also want to offer him our funds, right? And we want, to, we want him to, we want to say with how we use our funds that, Lord, this is ultimately yours, right? Did I see a hand over there? Yeah, Doug? Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Yeah, these are equals. These are, they're peers. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I really encourage that, that level of openness and vulnerability. It takes a lot of vulnerability to disclose to your brother in Christ, here's what I'm actually spending my money on, right? Um, 
Yeah, that kind of voluntary. It would have to be obviously a very voluntary thing, right? But that um, says, saying, I need help in other areas of Christian discipleship. Will you come alongside me and hold me accountable to what I'm committing to in this area too? Yeah, that's right. And... That's, yeah, excellent. And that's actually the key thing I was going to bring up here is, you know, like, how do we get there, right? How do we actually do this? And the Bible doesn't leave us kind of wondering. Here, here are key things. First is this. We need to make a resolve in our hearts. You know, so Second um, uh, Corinthians 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we, not reluctantly, but cheerfully, decide in our hearts, I'm dedicating this amount to the Lord. In this consecration, we should treat it as similar to a fast. So like in a given stretch of the day, um, or you know, a whole day, whatever the fast is, you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm fasting from food today. I'm consecrating this day to prayer, right? Ordinarily, you know, eating on that day, would that be a sin? Of course not. But now, once you've made that consecration, it would be a sin, right? You said, I've dedicated this time to prayer, and I'm fasting today. So I am setting aside this day in a special way to the Lord. In the same way, I'm setting aside in a special way these funds to the Lord. I'm consecrating them to Him. And then we give those funds as a first fruit. So I'd like to read to you three texts. Um, Exodus 23, 19. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 26, 1. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place your Lord, the Lord your God will choose, that's Deuteronomy's way of referring to Jerusalem, where the temple is, to make his name dwell there. So what are you taking to the Lord? The first of your fruits of the ground. And then one more. Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So it's not acceptable to say, oh, I'm going to wait and see how this month goes and then I'll give. No. It, it's saying, look, this is all the Lord's from the very beginning. I'm going to give to him this tithe, this, whatever the percentage we're, we're setting, setting aside, and it's just going straight out the door as soon as I receive it, straight off to the Lord. And, you know, banks nowadays make it super easy just, you know, have an automatic check thing go right when you're getting your paycheck or whatever. Here it is. It lands in my account. Next thing, there it goes, off to the Lord. And now we live in the 90% or whatever is left to us. And so part of this is trusting, just like in that Malachi 3 passage, right? Um, test me and see when you do this whether you'll be well provided for. Test me and see if you guys will go hungry, right? 
Um, I'm going to give to you, Lord, straight, straight as soon as I get it. Not from the leftovers, but from the very first fruits. I'm going to trust you for the rest. And so this really helps us as we're thinking about living within our means. We say to ourselves, what are, what are the means within, I much, within which I must live? Well, whatever we haven't dedicated to the Lord, that other 90% or whatever the percentage is that we haven't given to the Lord, like that 90% is what God wants us to live within. It's just like the principle of the Lord's day, right? The Lord says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In the New Covenant, we understand the first day of the week to be the Christian Sabbath, right? So what is it saying? It's saying, okay, I'm going to so order my week that I'm going to get all the work done that I need to get done this week in those six days, right? And I'm dedicating myself. If that means working on days that the rest of the world is chilling out and doing whatever they want to do, like Saturday, you know, and I'm working really hard, I'm getting all my homework done on Saturday so that the the Lord's Day can be 100% for God. And I'm going to just enjoy God this day. I'm going to relish His presence. I'm going to do what He tells me to do, to rest, right? It takes six days of work to keep the seventh day holy. In the same way, it takes good stewardship of the 90% or whatever the percentage is to give the 10% faithfully, right? Some of you will be able to begin tithing immediately. But in some cases, as Doug was bringing out, it can be a process to reorder our lives because of bad decisions made in the past, right? Other obligations that we've made, debts we've incurred, things like that. So in some of your cases, it may be, okay, we're going to start here, and I'm going to make this my goal to get here within a year's time. And I'm going to develop a plan. I'm going to involve the deacons, or I'm going to have a Christian financial advisor, or someone who can help me to think clearly about how do I get out of this bad place where I am right now, to this better place where I can give faithfully. So here are just a couple objections as we're thinking about this. First, my income is so low, I don't feel that my giving would make much of a difference. My income is so low, I don't feel like that my giving would make much of a difference. In other words, what's the point? Um, Maybe you're a teenager and you're thinking, yeah, my income is like, Crazy low, because all I do is like mow lawns in the summer or something like that, where I'm not really making the big bucks. Um, okay, well, what's the point of tithing again? It's not just about making the church's mission go forward. What, what are some other reasons why we give generously? Yeah. Yeah, the widow, Exactly who gave so generously, and and it affects us. It's part of what helps us to be joyful in our relationship with God is that tangible giving. Yeah, Logan? Yeah, and it's, it's right. It's about being a steward no matter how little or how much you've been given. That's right. Yeah, Trina? Yes, it's this very tangible moment every time we see that gift going out that all of it is his. Um, and it's, it's, again, it's, it's so important that we keep having this, right? This is part of why we keep coming back and worshiping, ded- rededicating ourselves every single Sunday to the Lord. Is we need to keep doing that or we're going to start thinking of ourselves as autonomous people, right? Um, did I see your hand, Paul? 
Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Praise the Lord. That's a. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was going to mention too. Um, you know, this is this is connected to what you're bringing out there. Um, you know, another objection we might be thinking of is like my budget's in the red. You know, my family and I are in such a hard place right now that I feel like if I gave to the church, I would default on a loan or not meet a basic necessity. And, and that's a hard thing to feel, and that's a hard place to be in. I would just want to ask you to do a very thorough lifestyle check to really soberly look at what you're actually spending your money on. Are there unnecessary expenses that I'm treating as if they were necessary? Am I buying coffee from a shop instead of making my own? Am I buying lunch instead of packing my own? Am I buying expensive food when more basic food that maybe requires a little bit more prep will do? Am I paying for streaming and entertainment when I could check out a book or a movie from the library for free? Am I making car payments on a fancy vehicle when a simpler used vehicle would do? And yes, in that last example, I am saying it may be your duty to sell the fancy car and buy a much cheaper used car where you're not making payments at all. Um, you know, the big idea here is just, I think a lot of times when we say, I have no bandwidth to give, like the way you were feeling when you were in school, that was a great example. Um, Often what that really translates into is, I'm not willing to give up on some of these things that I really, really like, right? And I'm not willing to make those costly cuts for the sake of discipleship, for the sake of following Jesus. Take up your cross, follow me. Part of what that may mean is, now you need to do more food prep, right? <laughs> now you need to, you know, do without when you'd really love to be following this, like, you know, streaming series that, that honestly costs more money than you have to give, I'm going to watch something older or read a good book that doesn't require me to pay the money for the streaming. Um, are you willing to make that kind of costly decision? Are you, are you willing for the sake of Jesus? I hope you will. Um, I think I saw your hand a little while, but did you want to say anything, Doug? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but if, if even it's like you said, that two cents, it honestly isn't going to make any difference, right? Uh, and the, the small, you know, the, the small giving. But, yeah, there's something really beautiful. And, like, don't forget, when we give in secret, God sees, the angels see. What was done in secret will be proclaimed on the housetops on the last day and bring great honor to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. But the other one is I've heard some people say, well, I don't know all the time in the Old Testament, 
Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, um, yeah, when when you have um, the Old Testament laws about tithing, there's a number of different passages that speak of this, and one way that people put these pieces together is by saying that. Um, Actually, 23% of your produce is going to various different things. Um, for example, in uh, Deuteronomy 14, it says once every third year, you're supposed to bring the tithe not to the place where God has established his name, but instead to the center of your town. And there, um, you know, the orphan, the widow, the Levite, um, all these landless people can receive um, the gifts that you have there. I, I just haven't studied the, the ins and outs of how all those passages go together um, to really weigh in on this, but I think that the, um, the, there's more than one way of putting those passages together. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just the starting point. That, that's my encouragement to you today, is that we should see the tithe as a starting point. Of like, If that's what they gave in the Old Covenant, that's where we should at least begin now, right? Um, and seek to give more because of how, not just how much God's given us in Christ, but honestly, how much he's given us just living in the United States of America. Like, what a rich country we've been blessed with. And we are standing on the shoulders of so many who have gone before us. Um, we have, like, the average American lifestyle right now is just, so much way out in front of where um, so many people throughout the world are at, um, where in the history of the world people have been. We should be reflecting that through our generosity. And I just want to close with this. Just remember, this is about what we worship. This is a spiritual issue. This is an issue of loyalty in your heart. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either you'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. For some of you, what I'm saying is, is like, yeah, that's, that's a great reminder. That's what I'm seeking to do. That's what we're, we're living out. Um, I, need to, I need to maybe think about how I can be more faithful, right? But for some of you, what I'm saying to you is very challenging because you're like, I'm not living this. I'm not honoring God with my wealth. I'm not being generous. I'm not giving to the work of the church or I'm not giving as I ought. And it's like, man, this is, this is not something I want to do. I still don't want to, right? Um, I just encourage you to turn to Jesus. Remember his worthiness and remember the unworthiness of our idols, right? Like let's renounce the idol of comfort. I don't want to have to cook my own meals. I don't want to have to... to work extra to pay off this debt, or the idol of prestige, right? I can't imagine driving, you know, a, a used older car because I just never have driven a car like that, or the idols of entertainment. Um, you know, if I were to give like you're saying that I'll have to do, then I won't be able to do these super fun things that I really want to do, or I won't be able to treat myself to these things I really, really like. Jesus is worth it.
Let those things go. They're not going to give you what you want. They will betray you in the end. Give to Jesus what he is worthy of and watch him bless you in a way that your idols never will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give what you command. That even as we think about rendering back to you funds, we know that it is a rendering back. It's, there's nothing that we have that we haven't received graciously from you. And so, Lord, we, we do not want to be those who grasp those things that you claim as your own for the furtherance of your church. Lord, we want to have a lifestyle of stewardship where the decisions we make about how we spend our funds, how we spend our time, what we, what we invest in, that all these things would reflect your priorities. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, for we know that we all struggle with idols. Every one of us, we struggle with idols, and that those idols claim our funds as well as our energy and our affections and other parts of us. And we pray, that, Lord, we would, in all of our spending, consider every act of spending an act of worship, an act of offering to you, and that we would not be engaged in idolatry, but that, Lord, we would really honor you with our wealth. And, Lord, we pray that you would be faithful to the promise we just heard, that, Lord, as we honor you with our wealth and the first of all our increase, that, Lord, you will pour out the blessing upon us and that you will provide for our needs, your good Father, and that you will give us the joy of seeing those funds multiplied with kingdom fruit that we never thought was even possible. Lord, we pray that this church would not lack for the resources it needs to carry out its mission. And we thank you for the generosity of your people that's brought us to this point. We pray that you continue to increase our generosity for your glory's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.